The leader of the U.S. House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, Mike Gallagher, on Thursday urged Washington to clear its 19 billion U.S. dollar arms backlog with Taiwan. The appeal came after the committee led a tabletop war game together with Washington-based think tank, the Center for a New American Security. The participants simulated a Chinese invasion of Taiwan in the year 2027, which showed that resupplying Taiwan after conflict breaks out would be impossible. According to Gallagher, that means Taiwan should be armed, quote, to the teeth before conflict starts. Let's get the response from some lawmakers in Taiwan. It would take some time for countries to take action and support Taiwan. What's more important is that Taiwan must be able to defend itself and be aware of its situation. If that awareness is strong enough and every country sees Taiwan's determination to protect its democracy and freedom, then help will keep pouring in from other countries. Though Taiwan doesn't really have enough arms currently, democracies all around the world would come to help defend Taiwan. In related news, the White House said on the same day that President Joe Biden had spoken with French President Emmanuel Macron and EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen over the phone. During their conversations, Biden reiterated the importance of maintaining peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. President Tsai Ing-wen with other top government officials visited one of Taiwan's major reservoirs where an engineering project designed to extend the life of the reservoir had just been completed. This feat of engineering is a tunnel several thousand meters long, specially built to allow silt to be released from the reservoir. Let's find out more. President Tsai Ing-wen made a special visit to Shimen Reservoir in Taoyuan on Friday, accompanied by Premier Chen Jianren, Vice Premier Zheng Wenzan, and Minister of Economic Affairs Wang Meihua. There, they inspected the reservoir's newly completed Amuping desilting tunnel. In her remarks, Tsai thanked not only the team behind its construction, but also former Premier Su Zhengchang. In 2006, I was the Vice Premier of the Executive Yuan, and the Premier at that time was Su Zhengchang. He believed that the Shimen Reservoir was crucial to the stability of the water supply in the North, and therefore invested in relevant projects. As the President, I can only thank him again and again. I would like to give special thanks to former Premier Su Zhengchang. The Amuping desilting tunnel, which prevents silt from shortening the life of the reservoir, cost 3.6 billion NT dollars. Construction began at the end of 2017, and it now reaches a total of 3,702 meters. Its desilting system is Taiwan's first and combines both floodwater draining and silt prevention techniques. There is really no way to build a new reservoir, so clearing silt from the current one is a top priority. The desilting tunnel at Shimen was therefore also a top priority, and its design is brand new. The tunnel is completed just in time for the summer typhoon season. Over the past few days, rains battered central to northern Taiwan, 
but the light rains in the south have left people concerned about the worsening water shortage. These two days of rain have indeed delivered some rainfall in the south, but it was less than we expected. The government will continue to work hard to find more water, transfer more water and save more water. Officials celebrated the new tunnel, which is expected to extend the service life of the almost 60-year-old Shimen Reservoir. At the same time, they voiced hope that more rain will come to drought-stricken areas. New Taipei Mayor Ho Yi continues on his visit to Singapore with a visit to a local market on Friday. A day earlier, Ho met with the city-state's Minister for National Development, Desmond Lee, with whom he exchanged ideas on sustainable development. Though Ho has said that his visit this is meant to strengthen city-to-city exchanges, many are seeing it as a warm-up for the 2024 presidential election. New Taipei Mayor Ho Yi tours Newton Food Center in Singapore, which was recently renovated. Some people in the crowd wish him a smooth presidential campaign in an echo of four years ago when KMT presidential candidate Han Guoyu visited the city-state. Ho is not officially the KMT's nominee, but how does he stack up against Han? I know, I know who he is. I'm Taiwanese. I migrated to Singapore, so as soon as I saw him walking by, I immediately recognized him as Ho Yi. According to Singaporean media reports, support for Ho is not as good as it was for Han, which has raised some concerns about his campaign. Ho says he is not visiting the country to discuss the presidential election, but to promote city-to-city exchanges. Renovating markets is an important task for New Taipei. We've revamped 10 markets over the past few years. Ho learned details about how the Singaporean government centrally manages market vendors. One day before, the mayor had met with Desmond Lee, Singapore's Minister for National Development. Ho had not initially disclosed who he had met on Thursday, but after Lee posted about the meeting on Facebook, Ho opened up about what they had discussed. I spoke with the Minister for National Development for about two hours. The main issue was discussing Singapore's development. We exchanged many ideas. A respect for diversity, sustainable development, and being welcoming to the world is what has allowed the world to go to Singapore and to go to New Taipei, to Taiwan. Ho later posted a photo with Minister Lee on social media, adding that he had also met with Desmond Chu, the mayor of Singapore's northeast district. Though not official yet, it seems clearer and clearer that Ho was preparing to run in 2024. Japan's request to release nuclear wastewater from the disabled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant has been met with pushback from Pacific Island nations. During the recent G7 environment ministers meeting, environmentalists from countries around the world joined the efforts to oppose the nuclear power plant's request. Voice of America's Jessica Stone reports. The Pacific Islands region is home to millions of marine animal species. Experts say some 44% are endangered or under threat. It's also home to people who make their living off the bounty of the sea. It's our life. The ocean provides almost everything that we need for livelihood because we are ocean states. 
Kiribati Ambassador Tibururu Sito says that's why people of the region are concerned about a proposal by Japan's nuclear power company, TEPCO, to release more than one million metric tons of treated nuclear wastewater from the Fukushima plant into the Pacific. Japanese officials maintain they can make the water safe. The continued progress in the commissioning efforts, including the release of advanced liquid processing system treated water into the sea, as well as Japan's science-based and transparent approach, has been appreciated. The International Atomic Energy Agency says Japan is running out of storage space for the water and is following recommended safety standards for treating the contaminants. But at a recent gathering of Group of Seven environment ministers, Germany's top environment official refused to endorse the plan. It is obvious that the ministers of environment cannot support the feeding back of contaminated substances into water anywhere in the world. This release is absolutely unprecedented in terms of the scale. Ivana Nikolaciuz is a chemical engineer who directs Columbia University's nuclear research in the Marshall Islands. It was here that the United States conducted 67 nuclear tests between 1946 and 1958. Nicolette Hughes says more than 60 years later, her research team found radioactive elements in the coconuts here. The radiation is still there. And I think for me, you know, the big lesson is there's, you know, there's no such thing as as this kind of safe use or safe testing. In February, the Pacific Islands Forum met with TEPCO, demanding additional studies of the decontamination process to assure members the release won't poison the water or the wildlife. It must be safe. It must not impact adversely on the lives of, uh, of their people. TEPCO has so far delayed the release, giving opponents more time to push for other options. Nicolette Hughes says one alternative should be locating additional storage tanks to house the nuclear wastewater until the radioactive isotopes break down further. Jessica Stone, VOA News. We head now to the far north of Taiwan to enjoy a dazzling natural wonder. Photographers are converging on Fugui Cape Lighthouse for a picture-perfect sunset. For several weeks, the sun is setting right behind the lighthouse, allowing photographers an unparalleled shot of the building glowing like a lantern. The epic view will happen each evening until mid-May, so there's plenty of time to head to New Taipei Shimen District and catch it provided that the sun is out. The sun drops down below the horizon, a glowing orb of fire. If you're in just the right spot, it looks like it's sitting down right next to this lonely lighthouse. Photography buffs rush out at the perfect moment to capture the optical illusion. Sitting in front of the sun, the lighthouse looks like a giant lantern lit up with a warm orange glow. From now until May 15th, Fugui Cape Lighthouse on the north coast will have this very special look each time the sun sets. The only condition is you need to be standing on the harbour embankment and the weather needs to play nice. Crowds gather to capture the fading rays of light for posterity. This professional photographer has some tips on how to get the best shot. You want to take along your E-mount camera. And also, when you take the shot, underexpose it a little, because that will bring your landscape closer in. The light source is very important for a beautiful landscape shot. This sunset is set off by reflections from wisps of cloud and sparkles on the ocean waves. Even with a cell phone, you can get a spectacular picture. A final pro tip. 
take your sunglasses. If you're staring at the sunset, make sure you don't come away with eye damage. Forbes magazine has released its list of Taiwan's top 50 richest people in 2023. The list is headed by Daniel Tsai and Richard Tsai, who run the Fubang Group. The two brothers have a net worth of 8.8 billion U.S. dollars or about 270 billion Taiwan dollars. And it's not just their first time at the top. The two also headed the list back in 2017. Let's hear from an analyst. Fubon Group, besides Fubon Financial Holdings, is also involved in e-commerce. Another business of theirs that has performed very strongly recently is Taiwan Mobile, which is one of the three leading telecoms. These two could even outperform their financial services. There was a period where adjustments in share prices shrunk the net worth somewhat. Number two on the list went to the Wei Brothers of Dingxing International Group, a food and beverage conglomerate. The third spot went to Ling Shuhong, the co-founder of petrochemical conglomerate Changchun Group. While most of Taiwan saw heavy rain Thursday, there was one region that escaped most of the precipitation. That region is Tainan, which recorded a maximum of just 17.5 millimeters of rain over the day. With water levels running low at local reservoirs, worries remain high that the drought at the southern county could worsen. A weather front brought in torrential spring rains to central Taiwan, causing flooding and landslides. Although nearly every part of Taiwan saw downpours on Thursday, one place remained almost bone dry. I was really looking forward to rain, but in the end it was like we had a force field. Tainan's sky is completely rain-free. We have more of a water shortage in the south. Rain had better fall in the right places. This rainfall map from the Central Weather Bureau shows Taiwan before 2 p.m. on Thursday. Over the whole island, only Tainan saw no precipitation. Although some scattered showers did arrive later in the afternoon, the heaviest accumulated rainfall in Tainan was a mere 17.5 millimeters in Guanmiao district. On Thursday, in fact, the entire southwest wind axis was facing the southern tip of Taiwan to the Bashi Channel, so the rain headed generally toward Kaohsiung and Pingdong. Tainan just happened to be unaffected. Another factor is the terrain. Tainan is relatively flat. Besides topography, an additional factor affecting rainfall was a so-called mesoscale convective system, which consumed moisture that would have originally been blown south. These factors left southern reservoirs with no significant intake. Songwon Reservoir, for example, is currently only at 8.2% capacity. A mesoscale convective system took over this region. Some of the moisture was obstructed by the system and was consumed and absorbed by it. It's not that there was no rain, but it did rain less. After the night of the 25th, Taiwan will feel the effects of another front. Northeasterly winds will pick up and moisture will increase a little. Another rain front is expected to pass through next Tuesday, delivering rains to the north, east and mountainous areas in central and southern Taiwan. Forecasters say drought relief for southern Taiwan may not come until the plum rain season later this spring. 
What would be the coolest place to spend the night in Taipei? How about the presidential office? The General Association of Chinese Culture and the presidential office have teamed up again to offer travelers from all over the world the chance to sleep over at the historic building and get to know Taiwan. Registration is now open with 10 lucky groups to be announced in August. The door opens. Welcome to Taiwan. The presidential office is once again inviting guests from all around the world for a sleepover. I'm here in Boston, but I am thrilled to be able to come back to Taipei really soon and to visit the presidential office and to see what it's all about. And of course, in true Taiwanese fashion, to offer some hospitality. Jason Wang is a chef who previously earned big praise from Gordon Ramsay on MasterChef. In a self-made video, he says he'll design a dessert inspired by the presidential office for its special guests. The GACC and the presidential office first launched this activity in 2019. I remember there were bloggers and photographers taking part. The guests that left the deepest impression on me were the deaf YouTuber couple that had been traveling the world using sign language. They showed the importance of disability equality. Back in 2019, the sleepover activity attracted more than 167 applicant groups from all over the world in just 19 days. This year, the program offers 10 itineraries with themes such as train travel and battlefield art, among others. The winners will be taken to cities around Taiwan to experience the local culture. In your proposals, you have to think about what your travel plans will be, besides staying at the presidential office for a night. We hope you'll be able to see all that Taiwan has to offer with your own eyes. To sign up, all you have to do is fill in an online questionnaire and upload a one-minute-long self-introduction video. The 10 winning groups will be announced in August. As in 2019, we are not covering the cost of the flight tickets, but it does include the stay at the presidential office and another night stay in some other place in Taiwan. The presidential office will be the first stop on the itinerary for the international travelers for an unforgettable experience at Taiwan's true and only presidential suite. As the pandemic recedes, the tourist industry is bouncing back. But unfortunately for travel lovers, tourist prices are on the up as well. The price of accommodations has increased massively. Since 2019, the average price of a hotel room has grown by 11 percent. Tourism experts say the impact of the pandemic is to blame, as well as the unquenchable desire to travel that many of us feel. Now we're finally off the leash. But for those who can manage, here's a pro tip for saving money when you travel. Avoid the weekend. Lots of tourists are jetting overseas since the border reopened. Domestic tourism is also thriving. But many travelers have noticed that booking accommodation in Taiwan is a lot pricier than it used to be. On average, lodging now costs almost 40% of a trip's total budget. 
If you have 2,000 NT and you go abroad, you can probably stay at a business hotel. But in Taiwan, you can probably only stay at a small hostel. It used to be 2,000 NT would get you a pretty nice hostel, but now you probably need almost 3,000 NT. Costs have been increasing for more than three years now because of the pandemic, as well as many international political factors. With the demand we're seeing in the market, naturally, consumers are willing to pay that price. Figures show that the average price of a room in Taiwan grew 11 percent between 2019 and 2022. Scholars say that in the past, travelers would simply stay in the accommodation of the tour group they were part of. Now people are more inclined to choose a hotel carefully as part of the treat of traveling. That's led hotels to invest more heavily in luxuries, and that, along with the costs of the pandemic, the shortage of hospitality staff, and a public determined to get out and travel no matter the cost, all contribute to the inflation of hotel rooms. When we couldn't go abroad, the prices soared in this scenic area. There is potential for some relief there because international travelers are coming back. Urban hotels will have a wider client base. Hotels in Taipei will go up. Overall, our hotel prices will not be coming down. There's another factor puffing up hotel prices. 70% of travelers choose to go out at the weekend, even though prices can be 30% higher than on weekdays. Tourism experts recommend you take a trip during the week if you can to avoid those weekend crowds and those weekend prices.